Welcome to the Off Lead Podcast, presented by Gun Dog Outpost. My name is Tyler Meaden, and I'm your host. On this episode, we have Cody Alford from Coosa Bend Kennels on. Cody is a full-time trainer and upland hunting guide during the guiding season down in Alabama. In this episode, Cody and I are talking about his experiences guiding and training dogs to be upland guide dogs. So what he asks of his dogs is different than some, including myself. Hunting style is different as well. I do a lot of pheasant hunting and, and Cody's primarily guiding uh, quail hunts. So, you know, one thing that, that I've really enjoyed with this podcast is learning about the regionality of training that takes place, what's asked of different dogs, and Cody certainly opened up my eyes to you know, how things are done and what's asked of dogs a little bit further south, particularly on uh, guided quail hunts. Now, before we dive in, we've got to talk about our sponsors. So first, Gun Dog Outpost. That is the store that I created. It makes this uh, podcast possible. It is a store that has uh, basically all the training gear that you're going to need for your gun dog. Slip leads, training tabs, bumpers, e-collars. It's all there. So go ahead and head on over to gundogoutpost.com and check out the store today. Second, I need to talk about Hoist, a.k.a. IV level hydration in a bottle. So if you've never heard of Hoist, what it is is it's an electrolyte recovery beverage and it's one of three Department of Defense approved electrolyte beverages. So if hoist is good enough for our troops, I would say it's good enough for, for you and me, you know, average Joe Schmo dog trainers or guides or whatever. Now, I've been drinking it after the, the hunts that I've been guiding. I can tell you it makes a world of difference in how I feel, you know, post hunt an hour, two hours, three hours later. Now, if you'd like to give hoist a try, Go ahead, go ahead and head on over to drinkhoist.com, use the code GUNDOGOUTPOST, all caps, one word, and you will get 10% off your order. All right, intro's over, so let's go ahead and dive into this episode. All right, Cody, welcome to the podcast. Hey, how's it going? I am living the dream on a daily basis. How about yourself? I would have to agree with that. I'm, <laughs> I'm trying my best. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, hey, it's all we can do, especially right now. Um, as, we, as we get started here, uh, first thing I always have people do, just give everyone your name, where you're located, um, name of your business. I am uh, I'm Cody Alford. I'm located in Hoax Bluff, Alabama. And uh, the name of my business is Coosa Bend Kennels. We're right here off the Coosa River. Um, we train upland dogs. We trade retrievers, and uh, I guide full time. Do you do? Do you uh, dabble in the hunt test game as well? I do. Uh, we run some uh, UKC, AKC stuff. Not a field trial guy as far as Labradors goes. We run. Uh, Got some, got some pointing dogs that I run and the UFTA field trials, United Field Trial Association. So it's a, you know, pointing, pointing dog game, time trials, but not, uh, not like a QAA, you know, sure. field trial style Labrador guy. Yeah. What did, what, how did you say that? UFTA? UFTA. UFTA. U-F-T-A. It's, it's a more of a Southern thing. Um, but it's, it's for bird dogs, and they have a flush inside too that okay. that uh, some labs run. But uh, as far as the bird dog side, it's usually fifteen acres. Um, they plant three birds, 
they divide the field into three quadrants. Your time starts when you break the release gate and uh, your dog points the bird, you flush it, you shoot it, the dog retrieves it, you move on to the next one. Once you the third bird is retrieved to hand, your time stops. Okay. Um, okay. So <laughs> oftentimes more pressure on you than the dog. Um, <laughs> penalties for missed shots, so on and so forth. But yeah, it's a, that's a pretty cool. Pretty yeah. cool venue. Yeah, I assume it's a time penalty for a missed shot. Mm-hmm. It's uh, 10 seconds in the pointing division, 20 in the flushing. If When you start talking about nationals level, if you miss, you might as well just go home. <laughs> it's over. There's some of those guys that they probably hadn't missed in five years. You know what I mean? But, yeah, that's, that's kind of what we do. We, okay. we have a few litters here and there, uh, mainly – mainly personal dogs and stuff like that, but pretty much guiding and training. Okay. Excellent. Um, yeah, the, the UFTA, uh, sounds a lot like uh, bird dog championships is what it's called around. It's exactly what it is, uh, is, is kind of off of. Okay. It's just more Southern rooted, Got it. um, where that's up there kind of where you guys are, but sure. yeah, these, this circuit for the last three years, nationals have been held in alabama uh, which has been super convenient for us and this year it went to illinois i believe it's going to be in february so um went back north so it'll be extremely cold i'm sure (laughs) Um, but it's especially for for a southern guy yeah 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 i went to north dakota this year for the first time uh with a client i have his dog and and she pretty much stays year round and goes home to hunt. And he's like, Hey, you want to come run her for me? And I was like, yeah. And wow. You know, 20 degrees with 40 mile an hour winds is different. <laughs> it's, it's, I, I live in Wisconsin, so I get plenty of cold weather. Uh, 20 <laughs> degrees with 40, 40 mile an hour winds is miserable. I don't care where you live. I don't care if you're from Wisconsin or from Alabama <laughs> or Florida. <laughs> that sucks. Yeah. We, uh, we, we had a good time though. It was, it was neat. It was, it's really her. She's just turned three this month, so she's just really kind of hitting her stride. And first day, you know, we're hunting out of layout blinds in the middle of a field. It snowed, I think, six inches during the hunt. Wow. And, uh, you know, there's mallards by the hundreds coming in. And so it was, uh, it was, it was awesome. It was yeah. a good time. That sounds, that sounds incredible. Um, would you mind uh, mind passing my name along to this this client? I'd love to join you next year. <laughs> no, no kidding. Yeah, he. Uh, so that client, back to you know, kind of what we were talking about before, is was the former owner of of one of the main places I guide. Sure. They they sold this year, and because he just didn't have time to do his own thing, um, you know. So. Yeah. He. Uh, it's it's worked out well he's yeah. a he's a heck of a guy and and uh that was a heck of an invite for sure yeah i hope i hope you get an invite next year and for the people that are listening uh before we started recording um cody and i were talking about um guiding and we'll, we'll touch more on that here in just a little bit um <clears throat> but one of the main clubs that he that he guided at this was the owner that the previous owner of that club so um little backstory there all right so um backtracking here to what you specialize in um retriever training um upland um guiding 
you do some hunt tests, um, you do some, you know, UFTA, bird dog championship, timed hunt test things, lots of different things that you're in. How many different breeds are you training? Oh, on the retriever side of things, it's pretty much Labradors and Cockers. Okay. Um, I will say right now, I don't know if y'all are seeing this, but down here, German short hair pointers are, they're, they're the fad dog. Everybody wants them. And the problem I'm running to every people here want them to be duck dogs and yes, they can do it. And I, I mean, there's some guys that do great work with their GSPs, yes. but it's not as natural as a Labrador. Um, yep when you start asking them to do that kind of stuff. So, but I've, I've had several of them come through, um, you know, some of them made it, some of them haven't, but mainly Labradors and, and Cockers. Okay. Cockers are kind of growing down here. Um, so. Yeah, no, they're, um, they are, they are fun to watch in the field. I have pretty limited exposure experience, but what I've seen, they are, they are awesome. They're fun little dogs to watch. They um, are. They definitely are. Okay. Uh, how many how many dogs do you own? How many different oh, breeds? Oh man, uh, different breeds. I own. I've got Labradors, Cockers, English Setters, and I have one English Pointer. He's okay. kind of my my go to. Uh, for instance, that trip we took to Kansas, you know, big wide open country. He uh, he's my dog that can cover it all. Um, okay. Sometimes too big. Uh, in the guiding world you know he's he's a handful but but setters cockers and labs that's me uh yeah no that's um that's there's a there's a lot of variance there a lot of variability um how many different dogs now so you got four different breeds that you own i can only imagine what the actual dog count is oh i'm gonna roughly say without trying to leave anybody out 16 Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. 16 personal dogs. And to those listening, I know that sounds like a lot. Um, my oldest is nine, so she's limited. Um, one of the my English setter, the, the matriarch of my setter line, is blind now. Um, she got shot, and that's another story we can get into. Mm-hmm. So there's some of those numbers that are not contributing as much as they used to, but they're they're – part of my family and never go anywhere and then i've got my core group that actively hunts and um you know when i first got into this i had a few dogs and i ran them every day and sometimes we'd do two hunts a day and it just beat them down yeah um and our season our preserve season here in alabama is october 1st through the end of march so we got six months Mm -hmm. so I learned quickly I needed to start adding. And um, so I've got it now to where I've got a good rotation and I've got certain dogs that hunt super well with other dogs and complement each other. So now I try um, I try to take, you know, if I'm going to go on an all-day hunt, I'll take four-point dogs, two flush dogs. I'll run two for the first half with a flush dog and then change different dogs in the afternoon. And then the next day bring in two more. And it just keeps my dogs fresher and healthier and, you know, it's a better hunt for everybody involved. So I know 16's like, oh wow, that's a crazy amount of dogs, but we use them. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they uh, they get used. Yeah, how many how many uh, guides are are you doing per week right now? Um, it's it's actually starting to to kind of ramp up here. Um, 
I would say, well, this past week, I think I started uh, Thursday, and then today was my first true off day. So I'd say four to five days a week. But that being said, um, a lot of times it'll be like a split hunt is what we call them. So it'll come in, have a group come in in the afternoon, they'll hunt afternoon and they'll hunt morning and leave. So I'm technically only guiding half a day, which works out great for me. It gives me time to train. Uh, so I can train, get up in the morning, get all my training knocked out and then head to pick up an afternoon hunt or vice versa. I'll load the dog trailer, take dogs with me, guide a hunt and then work them afterwards. Um, so it, it's been four to five days a week and we do a little bit of, a little bit of deer hunting, a uh, little bit of deer guiding as well. So um, that's kind of getting, I got one of those tomorrow. Um, that was dogs? No, no. Okay. Just, just sitting and being cold in an okay. awkward situation with a random person you've never met. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. That sounds miserable. <laughs> <laughs> Some guys are pretty neat. Some guys are like, eh. uh, yeah. Like, uh, deer can pop up at any time now, so we can end this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Okay. But, uh, but that's just kind of a, we don't do a lot of that. That's just a few here and there. So sure. Sure. No. And it, you know, it makes sense when you're guiding four to five hunts a day. Um, <clears throat> like you, you can burn through a lot of dogs. Yeah. Uh, we, we, uh, uh, you know, peak season, I would say at least four days a week I'm, I'm mm -hmm. guiding somewhere, doing something. And, and you know, people, people don't take into account, and I really didn't take into account until my trip to Kansas recently, the, the wear and tear a dog trailer takes on dogs. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I mean, they just – there's – you can't account for bumps in the road. I don't care what kind of trailer you got. And it just sure. – you know, so – Sure. Yeah. No, it's, um, you know, I've, I, I do a little bit of guiding and, you know, I'll, I'll take my dog and, you know, my, my buddy's dog and we'll get a client dog and, you know, it's, it's, you know, just a morning or an afternoon hunt and they, you know, my dog has smoked. I mean, he's, he's toast. Um, you know, he's also the dog who, you know, is probably, you know, the most veteran dog. So he's probably going to be the one out of the three dogs that's going to maybe do the entire, you know, two, two and a half, three hour hunt. Right. So he get, you know, he's doubling up. Um, they're only doing half it, but I mean, he's, you know, he needs an off day. He yeah. needs an off day. Like if he, if he goes the next day, he's done after 30, 40 minutes. I mean, he's just, yeah. and that's exactly what I was seeing. I mean, the dogs would do it, but it wasn't, it was hard on them and the quality of the hunt just wasn't there. And, yeah. and, and I, you know, you'd have little injuries that a little cut on a pad turn into something big because they didn't have any off time. So, we just bit the bullet and, you know, order food by the pallet and keep on rolling. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can only imagine what your food bill is. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, I've, I've got a, a fantastic, uh, I, I feed pro plan. I got a fantastic pro plan rep and, and, uh, so he, he takes care of me and, and the food takes care of the dogs and we, we keep on rolling with it. Yeah, that's good. No, I mean, it, it, like, I get it because I've seen it. I mean, as far as, the, you know, the wear and tear on dogs. And I mean, I'm sure, like, you know, when you first started, you probably saw what my dog was doing last week at the end of this, the end of this hunt that I was guiding. Um, he's, he's, run, he's running the cut paths or whatever, the, you know, the, uh -huh. the cut paths or the clients are on, you know, winding. And then 
the other thing he's doing is he's watching the other dog that I have out. And when the other dog would start to get birdie, he'd bust in there. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, exactly. you cheater. You cheater. Uh-huh. As he's laying here next and, to me, passed out. And that was me, my oldest. I she was my she was my first lab that I really focused on flushing with. And sure. and uh so I mean once she nailed it, she was so fun. I would just I just hunt her till she couldn't hunt anymore. And I, I mean, it's just being selfish. And I was like, I got to get you some help. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's when I bought my first cocker. And then I bought another lab. Um, and then, boy, it's just over the years, you know, we've kind of got added here and there. And I've got a good crew that I really do. I've, I've got some got some nice dogs that uh, do really well for what I use them for. Sure. Um, no, I know most people don't talk about labs being a versatile breed, but, uh, they, they definitely are. And, and, uh, you know, I, like I said, I love my cockers, but my labs, I can go duck hunt in the morning and we can go pheasant hunt in the afternoon. If we cripple a deer, I can break them out and track one down, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a lab guy through and through, you know, all the breeds have something that's, you know, that's, that I appreciate. Absolutely. Um, you know, but I'm, you know, I own a lab. I'll probably always own a lab. I doubt I'll own, I maybe I'll own another breed. I don't know. I have to talk my wife into it. So, um, <laughs> she's in the other room and she just, she just looked up at me. So, uh, it's probably not happening anytime soon. Um, all right. So we're talking, we're talking a lot about upland hunting, about guiding that sort of thing. So let's, let's dive into that a little bit more. Um, you know, you, 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 you guide like full time for six months. So you're, when you're training your dogs, like what, what are you doing differently than say like a, a more traditional uh, retriever training type program that people would put dogs through? Um, so on my dogs, it's about exposure. Uh, okay. and, and once again, I'm talking about personal dogs. Yep. Um, you know, I try and put as many things, uh, via birds bird scent terrain in front of them at a young age as i can not necessarily full-blown teaching and focus it's just it lets them i found it gives them a little bit of knowledge that when we get to it okay i've smelled a pheasant before i've smelled a chucker before i've had a quail before and a duck and i've been to these fields where we've hunted grain sorghum we've done retrieves and planted sorghum and I've run these cut rows before and you know just little things because traditionally when I have a client dog retriever wise we're going to start on low cut fields you know Mm -hmm. high success rate for the dog right and then we'll work into some cover uh, as we build on the foundations but you know everything is more of a more slow steady process than what I put my dogs through um just because I know what's coming for them. Sure. It's not going to be – most of the people I train for, they want a duck dog, and they're probably yep. going to take it dove hunting, and that's yep. it. Yep. That's that's what they're going to do. And mine are going to do that, and they're going to flush quail, and they're going to flush pheasants. And I, I teach all my labs – I use the term point lightly, uh, but they'll hold the bird, you sure. know, if they stumble upon one. Um, you know, maybe the, especially when I first turn the bird dogs loose, sometimes they'll blow right by one, you know, they're fired yep. up, ready to go. Yep. Um, 
you know, they'll hold a bird, just little things that the average person's not going to need because they're not in the guiding business. And, you know, we don't obviously have natural pheasants here in Alabama and our bobwhite quail population is very scarce these days. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, it's just, and, and the working with another dog, that's a big thing um, mm-hmm. that yeah. my labs and talkers have to do. Um, it's always funny to when I first we first start taking our walks uh, I'll I'll turn my bird dogs loose and let them run that's how kind of how I exercise them and then I start working with my my labs or my cockers um you know walking in an upland hill and and what I mean by that is I don't make my cockers walk on my walk on my left side with their head even when I knee. that's not what I ask them I give them about five yard little circle um, you know, same thing with my labs and they know the difference when we're upland hunting or when we go back to test mode, um, you sure. know, and we we're going to a finished test and they have to heal. But when I first put bird dogs on the ground, it's funny, the labs want to go run with them and that only lasts about five minutes and then they're wore out and, you know, um, <laughs> and, and, and they're like, okay, well, that's not what I'm supposed to be doing. And then they kind of figure it out and, you know, we will go on walks and we just walk and let bird dogs run and get them adapted to, Hey, these dogs are going to go out here and do this. And you're going to stay back here with me. And eventually those dogs are going to stop running and they're going to be really still. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to ease up here. And my word is get them up. I say, mm-hmm. get them up. Yep. And you know, and it's neat to me to watch them finally put it together. Yeah. They always learn how to flush they know that they're going after a bird in there. They figure that out pretty quickly, but to when they want, when they learn to go off the nose of the pointer, you know, or the pointing dog, when they realize that that dog is in the direction they need to be going and they go straight in, you know, and to me, that's when, okay, that dog is probably ready to put it in front of a client when it's steady walking with me. It's not running around crazy when it learns, to go off the nose of the pointer and get in there and flush whatever's in front of them, not just diving into cover, hoping something's there and taking 30, 40 seconds to get to something to flush. Sure. You know? Um, yeah. yeah. That's a, that's a special moment, right? I mean, that's when it, it is. It's neat. But you know, those kind of things as, as far as my retrievers is just not something a lot of people ask a lab to do that many different things. Sure. And, and I, I mean, I'll be the first one to admit at the end of guiding season, when we start getting ready for spring hunt test, uh, my dogs look terrible <laughs> because, oh, yeah. you know, they, uh, as far as a, a testing standard, because they've com- been un- completely different for six months, what I'm asking them to do then, yeah. um, you know, yeah. and they'll still go to a duck blind. They'll sit in there steady. You know, they, they know different situations, but mm-hmm. when we get back to testing environment, it's like, all right, let's stretch it back out. Let's get these things straightened up. You know, now heel is back to here. You don't get <laughs> yep. to be in front. You yep. know, yeah. Uh, it's just you now. There's no other dogs. There's no help. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, it, but uh, my dog, my dog's the same way, right? Cause it's, 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 you know, testing season. We start training for that. And then it's, you know, it's hunting. Like we, I don't train him very much in the, in the fall, I'm going to start a lot earlier this spring because, you know, there's some, you know, we're at the highest levels of testing. And so that's going to just require more focus and time for me. Right. Um, but when we come out of, you know, pheasant, uh, out of, you know, guiding and upland hunting and stuff like that, it's like, you know, yeah. I mean, your dogs break down when you hunt, 
Like all mm-hmm. those, those standards you train to, you know, you train them to that level and then they, they break down during hunting season. And then you go back during training season, you fix it. That's yep. kind of like the, the cyclical nature of, of owning a gun dog. Um, and I, uh, I, I enjoy that actually. I, I do too. And, and I think they enjoy it. It's a release for them because yeah. I, I've got a, you know, every dog handles the pressure of training different. And, you know, I'm not a huge, like, a, I'm not just a diehard pressure guy. I mean, I, yep. I, I definitely apply pressure in my training. But, you know, some dogs do great with it. Some dogs love it and need it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and But it's nice to see them be able to cut loose during hunting season. And, you know, I've, I've had – I've got a dog here um, – Right now, I guess technically it would belong to my brother-in-law. But anyway, she was uh, she was bought by somebody and trained, and supposed she was supposed to be an HRCH caliber dog, and uh, and he was a high pressure trainer, and he wound up giving her away because she just couldn't cut it. Sure. Um, in the testing world, she just didn't have what it takes. And to be honest, she hates training. She is a, she can run finish level setups. Mm-hmm. but she hates it <laughs> and uh she she's not that great of a duck hunting dog but i was like well i'm gonna take her and see if i can teach her to flush i was like this dog's gotta have a purpose if it's gonna mm-hmm. stay here and eat you know <laughs> first time i took her i was like i was like this is the worst dog i've ever seen in my life uh you know <laughs> it was awful and so the next time i took her out i was like well i'm gonna take one of my other labs that's really good at it and we'll run both of them maybe she'll figure it out and man from that day on uh once she figured out what she was supposed to be doing and she dove in there a couple times with with my other dog Mm -hmm. she's she's one of the one of the best flushing dogs i've got um you know i mean she's you've got the the intense flush she Mm -hmm. she handles i mean you know you you can whistle sit or cast anything you want out of a uh, a testing style dog sure um but she's found something that she's got some freedom, not as many rules. And she's, she's, uh, she drives me nuts here at the house because she's the, I mean, she just always into something constantly, but man, when, when she finally found her purpose, it was pretty cool to repurpose a dog, so to yeah. speak. I know people do that with furniture all the time, but you know, take her for what she was trained for four years to do and just wasn't that great at it. And, and give her something that she could actually actually excel in has been pretty yeah. neat to see. Yeah. That is, that is, that is awesome. Do you think, uh, do you think the competition, you know, putting that other dog in the field would like helped? Yeah, I, I, I definitely, I definitely think it did. And, and, uh, she's, she's not timid, but she's shy. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I think watching my other dog, her, her name was uh, Katie. Watching Katie go in there, because I kept her on a leash the second time. Sure. And I just walked her, and which, I mean, she's great at heel on or off. It doesn't matter. But I, I let Katie flush a couple coveys and just made, made Gemma watch. Mm-hmm. And then I could tell, like, her ears were starting to stand up and, you know, her head going side to side. And you could tell she was getting excited. Yep. So the next time I took her off, and I said, get them up. She didn't move. Katie dove in there. And so I was like, okay, I've got a solution for this. We're, we're going to get there. Mm-hmm. So next Covey we get to, I said, get them up. Back. 
So, you know, so she <laughs> hauls ass in there after I say back. And since then, she's figured out and get them up. It's her new back, and, and we roll on. Yeah, so, that, that's, that's intuitive training right there, or intuitive handling. That's wonderful. Just, that's great. <laughs> I was like, how am I going to get her to go in there? Because she has no clue what get them up means. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, no, no, for sure. I want to go back to something, though, that you said um you know that you do with your dogs like you know from from an upland standpoint right and that's exposure so you talked about different terrains different scents you know as many variables as possible like what age are you starting at what age are you starting your dogs at um it 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 kind of varies and this goes ties into um what we talked about a couple of days ago and people rushing their dogs yep i don't have a timer on a dog um as far as my personal dogs i watch them mature i start to throw things at them i see how they handle it when they're ready we go for more um you know everybody's got that my dog's six months old it's ready to start formal training like it's a thing and you know that is a great timetable to start Mm -hmm. but some dogs are just not mature enough at six months old yes and i mean I've had a run of dogs the last few months that I just almost want to start telling people eight months before you can bring them just because, you know, I mean, they're just, they're just so immature. And, you know, I mean, when I'm training my dogs, it's not costing them anything. I know people work for a living and, and when they, you know, they call and ask about the program and I tell them, you know, most of the time, four months, I can get you a dog that, that that's a functional hunter we're not going to be handling or doing anything like that but you know it's running singles and land and water and cover and stuff like that so they get four months drilled in their head and then you know they want to bring them at five months old and they don't they don't realize that that four months begins when your dog is ready (laughs) you don't get to start the timer whenever Uh (laughs) you know what i mean Uh Uh, so um you know i've i've had I kept two puppies off the last litter I had and they have been slow to mature. Um, but man, they are going to be outstanding dogs. One of them, the brother and sister, um, smoke and tiny mm-hmm. and, uh, and smoke is, I think they're, I think they're eight months old now. Um, Actually, maybe nine months old. Smoke is probably 65 pounds. Sure. A tiny's 30. Um, she was three pounds at her six-week visit. Wow. Holy smokes. Uh, yeah. Like, the rest of the litter was seven to eight. She was three. Hence the name Tiny. And <laughs> But, man, she's been a fighter since day one. And she has, the last couple months, it's just, it's clicked for Um you know, we, like I said earlier, my dogs get put on the back burner. So yep. we've done no force fetch, no hold conditioning. We've just been running marks. You know, I'll throw them on the trailer. They'll, they'll get to do the big stuff, you know, because I can get them on some marks out in the field. Doesn't really take up any more of my time. But, you know, as far as the little detailed stuff, a lot of times I get pushed to the back. But Tiny's delivering the hand, holding it. I'm talking ducks, bumpers, doesn't matter. <laughs> she turns around, sits at heels, just holds that sucker till you take it from her uh i mean she's she's been pretty fun to watch so you know she's a dog um kind of back on subject that i think let's let's say she's nine months old i think she'll 
she'll she'll duck hunt this year um it'll be a very controlled environment Mm -hmm. um i don't know that i'll take her quail hunting um my flush dogs what i try and do i try and get a good retrieving foundation in them first sure before i release them to the mayhem of upland you know um some duck hunts some dove hunts uh, a lot of that style training because what i found is the the flushing is pretty instinctual for a dog that's got a lot of prey drive. I mean, it's not extremely difficult to bring that part out. Sure. The control factor and what you want, you know, that takes some time. But yep. I, you know, I just don't really put a timetable on my personal dogs. I've had got a dog named Chief that I kept, and at five months old, um, you know, he ran his first starter test and crushed it. And, you know, he's, the duck was about almost as big as him. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was the last dog I pushed really hard. Sure. For a long time, I got in my head that I wanted to, I wanted to have a dog that had this title by this age. Yep. And it, it, you know, it really got on me. And then one day I read that there was some guy that's got an HRCH title with a seven-month-old dog, and I just quit worrying about it. <laughs> you know, the the yeah. the youngest dog to ever ever acquire HRCH was seven months, fourteen days. Yeah, that's just, and that's, you know, that's so after, <laughs> yeah, and I pushed Chief so hard and put all this pressure on him and myself to you know, hey, I, I'm on, I'm gonna prove that I can get this dog to do this by this time, and then I was like you know what, that's just uh, taking the fun out of it for both of them. Sure. You know, let them grow up. Yeah. Let them, let them be a puppy. Let them, uh, let them get to where they understand what you're asking. Because Chief's deal is you can't hurt his feelings. He can take (laughs) all the pressure in the world. So he's going to do it, whether he knows what he's doing or not. I mean, he'll do it. Um, And that's what I found that he was doing. He was just doing it, not really understanding, but he could get it done. Sure. Um, so, you know, I, uh, I don't really set a timetable with my dogs as far as, you know, when I start them, I sure. introduce them. I got a litter of puppies right now that's seven weeks old and I brought home some quail from the hunt yesterday and, and threw them for them and let them grab them and carry them around. Mm-hmm. I start doing introduction stuff like that Yep. from the time they can walk on, you know, I'll, I'll bring a duck down there and you know, puppies on up to a few months old. I'll I'll bring a uh, a pigeon and I'll you know zip tight swing shackle it, whatever you want to call it. Yep. I do stuff like that. But as far as knowing when they're ready, I let the dog tell me. Sure, sure. So all right. So what I you know that that's exactly what I was going for right there. So um, you're you're exposing them to to birds and scents and things like I mean seven eight weeks right. Yep. And then you're you know, you're essentially putting in, putting them through almost like a basic obedience and starting sort of the retrieving foundation, right? So they can run probably started level hunt tests. Yeah. And then letting them mature mentally. And then it's like, okay, really starting to to amp up the game and ask for more. um, And when you drop them into the upland field. Exactly. Exactly. And, and your obedience and you know, just as well as I do, uh, Mm -hmm. your obedience is key in an upland situation. Yeah. Um, because not only for the joy of the hunters, but the safety of the dog. Yes. Um, you know, I mean, it's, it's just, it's a whole nother level of distractions. 
you've oftentimes got multiple guns going every different direction. That's what I have to tell people, and it happens every year. I get a big push. People want to bring dogs right after duck season, and their first hunt is going to be a dove hunt. Mm-hmm. And dove hunts are chaotic and, in my opinion, it's probably the worst first hunt you can take a dog on. Yep. Uh, you know, dove hunt's pretty controlled for the most part. A lot of times you're going to be the blind or kind of somewhat in a row. They're going to be splashing, hitting out front. Um, you know, it, it's a, a lot easier for a young dog. And, uh, you know, it's just just you got to let your dog grow into it and give your dog – set your dog up for success. Yeah, and that's what I try and do with everybody's dog, and including my own. I, you know, I throw more at my dogs um, because they're going to be doing more. But at the end of the day, you know, you, you got to have that obedience down. Um, you got to have that, that that structure at a young age to be able to go any direction. I don't care what direction you're going. Yep. Um, you know, even if it's just going to be a house pet. Yeah, but yeah, it, no, for for sure, and I, you know. With, with what I did with my dog, with Mac, you know, I, he was, you know, four and a half months old and I had him on live birds, like, and I was handling guns and he didn't know what he was doing. And then a week later, it just kind of clicked and he was, you know, we're, we're at the same, we're at the same game farm and he's, you know, pointing chucker, like with some style too, that I don't know if he has quite that same style now. And I was like, okay, you know, I've got to, I, you know, I'm, I'm in here. This, you know, this is what I want. I want a dog that's going to chase pheasants. And then you know, that was like right at the end of March when game farm season wraps up um, in Wisconsin, or at least around me. And then I, you know, dove right into, uh, you know, you know, sort of the hunt test game and dive, dove into training. And that's where like, for me, I guess I lucked out timing wise, because it was like, okay, he had really early exposure. And then it was like, you know, five months of, um, you know, basic obedience and, laying that retrieving foundation, that retriever foundation that you see in like a standard um, retriever program. And then it was like back into the upland field and right, that, yeah. you know, time for, perfect. Yeah, it did. I didn't, I didn't know it at the time, but it, it timed out perfectly. And then, you know, now it's like, I have, you know, I have control over him in the field and there's nothing worse, whether you're guiding or not, or if it's your personal dog, or your friend's dog, than an out of control dog in the upland field. Oh, I, yeah, I completely agree. I, uh, I did a hunt yesterday, as a matter of fact, for a uh, – he's a, he's an author. His name's Charles Gaines. He's wrote some outdoor books. And okay. uh, anyway, the guy called and booked a hunt, and the thing was, hey, he's going to bring his own flushing dog. And you know how that is as a guy. Yep. Oh, great. <laughs> you know, like, oh, this is terrible. I'm still bringing my own just in case. Yep. Uh, so I get there, and um, he opens the truck, and he's got a cocker. So I was like, okay, you know, maybe we're maybe we're on to something. At least we didn't start with a boykin. So, <laughs> you know, we're, we're ahead of the game already. And uh, so – get to talking to the guy and he's like he said hey um just gonna let you know i'm not gonna be shooting one of my friends came to shoot he said i don't really care about shooting i'm just here for the dog and i was like i think me and this guy are gonna get along Mm -hmm. and uh you know it turned out to be a a, the the cocker was was great uh you know four-year-old and had been on a ton of birds and was completely respectful of the pointers and and kept his you know little five-yard circle, kind of the same way I trained mine. And, and it turned out to be a 
we didn't shoot many birds at all. Uh, there's some of them they didn't even pull the trigger on, but he just got to watch his dog work, and that's all he cared about. And he let me. I brought a young dog and got to run it the second half, and and uh, you know, so it was it was nice to see. But yeah, that that feeling of you know control is what I worry about most when I turn dogs loose uh, in an upland scenario because yep. it's God it can it can get scary quick. And even when your dog's perfectly controlled like mine was, you know, accidents can still happen. Yep. Yeah, 100%. Um, 100%. And that's, you know, that's, I mean, I almost want to save that for like another podcast to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. We'd love to get back on and talk safety. Oh, my. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's, you know, because your story and we're not going to argue into it. It's, I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty horrific. Um, What I do want to stick with, though, and this is like, you know, so you know, for, for me, I want to, I want to upland hunt my dog. I want to, you know, duck hunt my dog. I want to, I want to do it all. So like, you know, we talked about introduction to different things. We talked about laying the basic obedience foundation, the retrieving foundation, like what else, and what else are we missing as far as, you know, or would I be missing as far as laying out sort of a program to, to really truly get that versatile dog? Um, I mean, to me, it sounds like your dog's got a great start with the, the pointing already. The uh, It really depends on the situation because pheasant hunting is different than quail hunting, and that's yeah. primarily, you know, what we did. Of course, I just got back from Kansas trying to chase those suckers around. And, <laughs> uh, man, uh, that's, that's different. So this is one thing I learned that I've never taught my, uh, never taught my dog to do that um, one dog kind of taught itself out there. We were, um, we had a group of people and and we were working, walking these fields and we didn't do the traditional, you know, push a field blockers at the end. You know, we were, we were out hunting them. Yeah. And um, the dogs were kind of working out front like they normally do. And some of the birds were getting up and you just couldn't shoot them. They were too far out. It was hot. It was dry. Yep. So, I had one dog that's, I don't know, he just kind of figured it out. And he started uh, working from end to end on the line, back and forth. He might not have been 10 yards in front of us, but he would go from, instead of out front hunting, he was working side to side Mm -hmm. from our line of people. And I had never really, like I said, we we don't pheasant hunt that much. Most of the time they're more controlled. I don't let them get out like that. Most of the time we're running cut fields and cut lanes and we're getting distance 100 150 yards out coming back sure but teddy just kind of figured out hey this is not working <laughs> let me try this and He's like, i mean it it was so cool to watch him go left to right and and work that angle yep. not gain distance out but cover ground left to right he's probably still working the same amount of ground mm-hmm but it was left to right versus out there. So that's something that I'm going to work on with my dogs is, you know, not only do we want to be vertical, but, you know, I want them to get to stretch it out more. They all quarter, but this was some extreme quartering. Okay. And, okay. Uh, you know, I mean, we got birds that, that we wouldn't, would have never got. I mean, we'd either walk past in the gap of people mm-hmm. or, you know, you know, that kind of thing. And, and my, my dogs are, like I said, I don't want to say pointing, but all my flush dogs hold. And it sounds like yours is already there. 
or was there at a young age. Yeah. But yeah. what I've seen, what I've seen from flush dogs that I've hunted with, um, from other people, what I've seen other guides dogs, is their flush dogs don't hold birds. Mm-hmm. If they don't stay on top of them, they just run in there and it's it's over. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, or if that covey that the bird dogs just blew past that you're getting close to instead of that dog holding those birds letting you know something's there they just so i don't do a traditional pointing regiment with them sure but i woe break my labs (laughs) yeah um and and i do that because it ties right into when i'm working younger dogs especially when they go on point a lot of times i'll give them a reassurance with a woe you know, yeah. Well, when I'm doing that with them, it translates same thing. I can tell a dog whoa, and all three dogs hold. Lab holds, those hold. So it yep. just takes one word and covers every dog in the field. And that's something that I didn't, you know, I didn't do early on when I got into the Labrador flushing game. Is I didn't, I didn't teach my dogs whoa. I didn't, didn't focus on them holding the bird. I was like, well, I'll just, you know. If, I just sent them in and that's all I need them to do. And then as I realized how much more versatile, like you just mentioned, they can mm-hmm. be, um, the day that, the day that M got shot, I had to guy to hunt that afternoon, which was terrible. Um, and she, this was back when I just had a few dogs mm-hmm. and I ran, I, that afternoon I went back out and I ran a quail hunt with two labs. No, no point dog, <laughs> but all my dogs were, I mean, I just couldn't do it. And they were, they were woe broke. They all hold, both of them held their birds. So I knew we could have success. I didn't want to be there to begin with, but I was like, we can do this. So I turned them out and literally we, we ran the whole hunt. We killed a, a good number of birds. We never busted a covey. We might've missed a couple because, you know, they're obviously not going to run as big as a bird dog, but sure but us being able to let them get out a little further, 30, 40 yards and them hold a bird, I can say, whoa, know that they're not going to move. You know, that steadiness factor to me has been a game changer in my dogs. Yeah. Um, Because sometimes I, I mean, we get some older clients like in their seventies and if I got, you know, I got a dog up here 40 yards away, it may take us a little while to get there or a hundred yards away, you know? And, Mm -hmm. uh, it may take us a little while to get there. And if I happen to have a lab that, that picks up a covey out here, I can just say, whoa. And not only will my bird dog stay over there, then they'll stay right where they're at. Yeah. No, so, I mean, you're, you, I, you know, you use the term like, you know, holding the birds. I, I mean, to me, it sounds a lot like a point. Um, and I don't, I don't, I don't know. It is. You, yeah. Go ahead. It is, but I some of the some of the field trial guys in the bird dog world get real pissy when you say you have a lab that points. <laughs> <laughs> have so, you heard? Have you heard of the APLA American Pointing Labrador Association? I think it's affiliated. I have not with UKC, and so um, they have you know like they have they have tests. They have like, I think they have three different levels of tests. I need to get more versed on it because I'm actually thinking about in time maybe trying to get Mac Edgerton do it. Although he doesn't he. Do, he only holds points like sparsely now. He's, you know, if he's got a run invert, he's not, he's, he's busting. That right. Thing. Um, and so, 
there, there's different levels, but you earn different titles and such, just like the, you know, the Huntest game, like the HRC or AKC um, finished or um, master and AKC level tests. And I, you know, that they, they do, they throw in like a pointing portion. They also throw in like the, the retriever portion um, as well. So oh. yeah, I, I don't yeah. think it's huge yet. So I don't think there's too many events and you probably have to travel quite a bit, but it might be something to look at because it sounds like your dogs would be, um, yeah, would do really absolutely. well in it. And that's the, uh, so I didn't, the UFTA has a flushing side too. Yes. And I've never, I've never run it and they don't have a ton of flushing trials around here. Most of them are just point dog trials, but at nationals this year, I went over and watched some of them and I watched the dogs that did really good. And I watched the dogs that did really bad. And what I figured out is what my dogs, um, one aspect that my dogs do holding their birds pointing, whatever you want to call it really is the ticket in this because you can't run. You can, you, you know, one foot has to be on the ground the whole time. So when you cut that dog out, if that dog gets 60, 70 yards in front of you, mm-hmm. finds a bird, flushes it, you don't have a shot. Well, guess what? Your time is still rolling and you have no birds. Yep. So the dogs I was watching at Nationals, I mean, there were some master hunters there uh, on the AKC, you know, hunt test side of things. Yep. And uh, running this stuff. And, and they were out there quartering the field and they're working and they come on a bird and they lock down and they point it give the time guy time to get there. And he says, whatever his command is, puts it in there, shoots it, you know, and moves on. And then yeah. I watched some other guys that probably would have had a better time than some of the slower working quote unquote pointing labs or the dogs that were holding their birds. But if, you know, let's say one bird that the guy could stay with the dog and it flushed it, and he shot it. Well, the next one, if it got in that 60 to 70 yard range and bumped a bird, he had no chance. Yeah. Um, you know, so. Yeah. yeah. We're going to give it a shot this year. Um, we just kind of, they're just getting rolling. Um, so we're going to, we're going to try it here soon. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, no, that would, I would say, you know, you know, APLA, like t- take a look at that. Cause your dogs, so, I mean, they've seen, I will. they've seen so many birds that I bet they, I bet you could train them for that pretty easily. Um, yeah, I would love to to go. I, my my theory has always been go watch it and then go train it. Yeah, right. Um, you know, so right for sure, for sure. So, um, all right. With that though, I think um, you know, we've been we've been rolling here for quite a while, and uh, it's getting later. So why don't we why don't we uh, move into what I like to call the rapid fire session? So okay, um, and then we'll kind of wrap things up. So just random random questions. Some of them that I had pre planned. Some of them that uh you know i wrote down after we started talking here uh, first thing that comes to mind you just shout out the answer and then we'll move on to the next one and then we'll, then we'll wrap things up okay all right because you own four different breeds cody what is your favorite breed labradors labradors all right hands down okay okay i mean that's just uh, that's that's my dogs okay excellent um, what is your favorite game to hunt? Is it quail, pheasant, ducks? That's tough. Um, I, I'm going to say ducks just because it's what I was raised on, but that's my favorite thing to hunt personally. My favorite thing to hunt because of dogs are quail. Okay. Um, 
That's fair. You know, I, I enjoy the duck hunting side of things because you're hanging out with your buddies in a blind and, you know, but as far as, you know, if you told me, hey, you know, what do you want to do today involving your dogs? Let's go quit hunting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, what is your favorite post-hunt beverage? I would have to go with a great tasting, less filling, low calorie, good call, Miller Lite. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. And that is brewed not too far away from where I live, actually. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. You said your 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 the feed you the food you feed your dogs is is pro plan. Um, mm-hmm. and you have 16 dogs plus client dogs. So how many, uh, how many like bags of dog food, how much dog food are you going through on a monthly basis? Uh, it really depends on what we've got in. So, um, I feed my working dogs, the sport 30, 20. Yep. Um, and I would say we go through four bags a week. So 16 bags a month. <laughs> That that's the fifty pound bags um, too, right? Uh, yeah, well, it depends on what they're running the special on. Sometimes I can get thirty seven and a half pound cheaper per pound. Sure. Um, you, if it's the fifty pound bags, I would say three bags a week. Okay. Uh, here lately, I've been the thirty seven and a half pound, so it's been about four bags a week. But okay. yeah, we burn we burn through some food. Um, some of the I, I do some basic obedience dogs just because apparently that's in high demand. Um, <laughs> so I don't feed them propane sport. I feed them a little less rocket fuel. <laughs> sure. Sure. Okay. That's still, if I'm, if I'm doing my math correctly, that is still approximately 600 pounds of dog food per month. Hello. Yeah. That's all, yeah. Yeah. That's about right. That's that is something. All right. Um, how many client dogs do you typically have in at a time? Um, it depends on the seasons. A guiding season, I take less, and also guiding season, I take, I put priority to pointing dogs. Okay. Um, less on my Labradors because a lot of them go home. I try. If all works out well, I try and have my labs uh, home for hunting season, the ones that are on a regular schedule. Um, I don't ever take more than 10 gun dogs at a time. Okay. um, Because that's all I can deal with. Um, And we may have three or four basic obedience dogs mixed in with that. Um, But I would say on average, I'm running eight gun dogs and a couple basic obedience dogs. And then we'll have some, some tune-up dogs and, you know, dogs I've trained before come back before the season, you know, before dove season, duck season, my numbers kind of go up and we start, you know, we'll be able to have 20 dogs here. Sure. Um, but, you know, I my thing when I started training for the public is I wanted to be able to do – I want to take enough dogs that I can focus on those dogs. I don't want to be the guy that's got 60 dogs down there and each one of them gets worked once a week for 10 minutes, you sure. know. Sure, Um you're still, you're still, you know, again, if I'm doing math correctly here, we're still talking, you know, 25 to like 40 dogs at a time that you have in yeah. between client dogs and personal dogs, which is. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We usually keep anywhere from 30 to 40 dogs here at the house. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Thanks. It's, uh, it's, it's busy. There's yeah. Th- three stay inside. My blind dog stays inside. My oldest dog stays inside. 
and um, my first female cocker stays inside. And then I've got up here at the house, I built, or I didn't build, I bought, uh, some guy built a four bay wooden kennel, um, just a smaller little setup. So I keep my, my four setters that I keep at the house all the time. I keep them in it so that in the mornings when I'm leaving to guide, I can go grab them without going and disturbing the kennel dogs at the main kennel and getting them all fired up, you know, at four thirty in the morning. Um, so I kind of keep them. So we got some dogs up here, but the majority of them stay down there. Um, hopefully my, my goal for once we get done with this 2020, my goal for 2021 is to build an indoor kennel, like a, you know, a 40 by 60, completely enclosed, heated and cooled. Um, you know, that's, that's my goal, whether that's, it happens or not, we'll see. But yeah, I mean, that's, but that, I mean, that's, that's perfect though. That's, that's like the dream. So I, yeah. I understand why you're, why you're heading that direction. All right. Um, as far as training goes, do you have a training bumper of choice? It's like one particular brand or specific um, you like. God, that's tough. I've got a lot of the tangle free bumpers. Okay. Not the new ones they came out with. This was just the older hex bumpers, kind of basically the same model as the uh, the Avery hex bumpers. Sure. Um, but yeah, I've got a lot of those, um, and I throw I throw a lot of frozen birds. So we mm-hmm. do, um, and I throw a lot of pheasants. Actually, we throw we do continental pheasant shoots whatever you want to call them tower shoots yep and uh so i i nab a bunch of birds off of every every time we do those <laughs> um you know because uh, i'm a big big believer in feathers um for a dog but yeah those i really like the tangle free they've held up as far as you know mouthy dogs or anything they've held up better than any boppers i've i've had in, in recent years Okay. Perfect. Um, all right. Just a couple more here. So, uh, place, do you use place in your training program? I, yes. Um, so I, it depends on if it's a basic obedience dog, we go place. Okay. If it's a gun dog, I use kennel and I transition that to that for my dogs. That means get up or get in anything I'm telling you to. Mm -hmm. Um, so if I want you to get in the back of the truck and the dog trailer on this platform in this blind, I just say kennel. I found myself trying to teach place and I would always revert back to kennel. Sure. Just so I just, you know, with my gun dogs, I just said, all right, everything's going to be kennel. And that just means get your butt up or in whatever we're close to. Yep. Yep. No, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. All right. Um, last one here. Uh, any big 2021 plans, whether that be hunting, training, um, more dogs, litter announcements, anything like that? The kennel, uh, yeah. hopefully, is 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 my, my big hitter for 2021. Um, I I do have a hopefully going to have a big time breeding happen. Um, got a got a two more passes to get HRCH on a, on uh, a female named Hazel. And she's actually talking to my buddy today that trains field trial dogs out in Texas. And, uh, 
going to try. I, I, I think tentatively, I think I'm going to go with Mully. Um, NAFC uh, Mully for her. So, you know, be, mm-hmm. a, be a big time breeding. Yeah, we'll um, be. If, uh, so she is her her pedigree is about as good as they come to. She actually came from Lyle Steinman at Castile Creek Kennels. Mm-hmm. And uh, out of his dog, Nikki, and the dog, Coot. Coot's a nine-time Master National Retriever. It's only been three of those in the history. So, you know, that, that's my that's my big hitter for the for 2021. We'll see if we can make it happen or not. Uh, yeah. Uh, but, you know, she's uh, she just turned, uh, I think she's three. It'll be her first litter. Um, I just went straight into finished with her. I didn't do anything else. So we've got four, um, four of the of the six we need. So perfect. Spring rolls around and we'll get back on it. We kind of, I, I guess y'all probably did the same thing, but there's nothing happening here at UKC wise from November to February. Oh yeah, um, there's some AKC stuff in Florida, but there's nothing UKC wise, and and she's got her senior hunter title. Sure. So we'll have HRC eight senior hunter, and hopefully go HRC eight master hunter. So I think that would be a pretty nice pairing on paper, anyways. Yeah, that would be uh, that would be a good one. So I um, I'm gonna wish you the best of luck. I I'm pretty confident that she'll pick up her HCA, HRCH pretty early in the uh, hunt test season, though. Um, oh yeah yeah i believe so um all right that's all i have for questions um as we wrap things up here cody though if someone wants to get in touch with you um they want to ask you questions about anything that you said um any advice that you gave about you know you know teaching their dogs anything you you teach your dogs or they maybe want to send a dog to you if they just want to follow your journey on social media um how can they get a hold of you um whether that's you know email whether that's um, you're giving your social media handles. What's the best way to get a hold of you? Uh, Instagram is uh, where most of my stuff goes on as far as dog kennel related. Um, that's going to be Kusa Ben Kennel on Instagram. Um, then, you know, my my email. Uh, I think I've had one person in seven years send me an email. Um, you know, <laughs> that's, I've got, that's fair. I've got, <laughs> I've You're got pretty responsive face. on Instagram. So that's... yeah, I, I try and stay on top of it. And uh, I'm just one of those people, you know, nobody likes to wait four days to hear back from somebody, but I also have a Facebook um, business page because of Ben Kennels on there as well. And, and I use that messenger pretty frequently, but as far as posting content, Facebook censors stuff so much now. It's just, mm-hmm. I, I don't post much on there, but I do use it to interact with clients and stuff like that. And sure. And uh, I mean, my phone's always open, you know, if anybody needs my phone numbers listed on my Instagram page. So, you know, if you'd rather talk than, than text, that's, that's fine with me too. Sure. I, sure. Uh, you know, I don't claim to know it all, but I've found some things that work for me and I'm <laughs> uh, my, my door is always open and, you know, my phone's always on. You can ask my wife. She constantly complains. Literally, you're always on your phone. I was like, hey, I'm just trying to run a business. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I may, uh, if your wife's going to listen to this, I may edit that part out just for, just for your own benefit, uh, Cody. Um, I waited until she left the room to throw that plug in there. That was good. That was good. Um, all right. I will, um, I will link your Instagram and Facebook in the, in the notes as well, in the description um, of this podcast. So 
people want to go out and click that, um, you can go, you can do that or just search Kusapen Kennels on Facebook um, and on Instagram. Um, so Cody, I definitely want to have you back on at some point. Um, there's a number of different topics we can talk about. Um, but as for tonight, we're going to wrap it up. Um, thank you so much for your time and jumping on here. Um, I wish you the best of luck in, in 2021 here, and I'm sure we'll talk soon. Absolutely. It was, uh, it was a pleasure being on. Yeah. Thanks again. That's it for this week's episode. If you found value in the content or enjoyed the conversation, I have a few favors to ask. First, hit that subscribe button. Second, share this podcast with another gun dog owner. Those two things uh, would mean the world to me and they hopefully won't take you more than 30 seconds. Last thing is if you have another 30 seconds, go ahead and leave a review. Your feedback is important and it's what drives this podcast uh, so that I can make changes and improve it going forward.